0: Good day, listeners and viewers. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're so glad that you've joined us today. My name is Jonathan, and I have some new friends on the line with me. I've got Chris and Stephanie Teague, and so, guys, welcome to the program. Hey.
1: Hey, thanks. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm super excited to, to meet you guys, and I want to just dive right in because one of our core values here at our ministry is story. And we we believe that you know God is the ultimate storyteller. He's given us a story throughout all of Scripture, um, but I think He weaves his story into our stories and so we love to hear people's stories of redemption of even of brokenness, of the journey, um, the transparency, the honesty, just the the rawness and realness of what it looks like to live our lives as image bearers of God. Um, but also one of our other core values is grace, God's grace. And so I really believe that what you guys are going to be sharing with us today is going to highlight those two things. You've got a story to tell, and I believe that you want to share about God's grace. So can you give us just a little bit of of background of who you guys are, how you met, and just kind of take us from there?
2: Yeah, um, well, I'm Chris, this is Steph, and we... Um... We we have a, a ministry that we do a music ministry where we it's kind of part ministry part music and then we think of it living together in that space where we we tell our story through music um, and it, it comes with us everywhere we go it's a part of everything that we do uh, and we we met when we were in high school we were high school sweethearts. Um, which we're finding in the smaller pockets of the country is not as rare, but uh, <laughs> but it's rare in a big city. Uh, so, so yeah, we met when we were in high school. We got married when we were in college. Um, and, I mean, how would you characterize that that part of our life?
1: I mean, it was as if we were following all the steps that the typical Southern... Church, I think Southern culture would have spelled out, right? Uh, met young, married young, we're in church every time the doors are open. We met on a mission trip. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty stereotypical of the South.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was reading a little bit of y'all's bio on your website, and we'll, we'll share that uh, website with folks later, but I loved how you talked about, you know, hey, 13 hours sitting on, you know, fake leather and a big yellow bus was where it all started, <laughs> you know, so that's kinda, kind of a cool beginning.
1: That's right, yep scorching hot school bus trip all the way to philadelphia from nashville so
2: <laughs> not comfortable but no. fortuitous for us and no. that we found some love uh yeah i mean we got we got married when we were in college and so i think that characterized it's like we've we've met other couples who are who are like us and that they met and married young and and i think there's a benefit to growing up together you know it's like you you don't quite even know who you are yet and so you find yourself within you know that boundary within that within that institution of marriage Um, and I think it has some cons too Uh, but I think both sides of the coin have have uh, their pros and cons so we um, were kind of trucking along things things seem great you know our resume was was padded things were good as our as our young little Christian couple was was going our young little marriage Um, and like a lot of young men and women I, I started to maybe not even battle because uh, I don't think battle is the right word but I started to have and, and struggle with some some doubts which are doubts are not a bad thing. Um, they're they're an integral part of a life of faith but I didn't have I didn't have a view of faith that was like that. I thought that doubts were bad and I thought that if I was questioning things that there was something, kind of wrong, and because we led worship in a lot of places and spaces, that pressure I put on myself, and I think the culture, the church culture, kind of put that on me as well, um, but I, I just hid. I hid because I was afraid, and so I just pretended like I had it all together, uh, like a good southern kid does, uh, but that started to wear on my soul, And it certainly wore on our marriage because I wasn't really talking about that with anybody. And uh, when the when the enemy can get you alone, he can get you to do anything. And during that time in college, I was also uh, in the music industry, which has its its uh, smorgasbord of of temptations. And um, that was I found solace there. It was I welcomed it because these other sort of fringe characters I met in the music industry had the same questions and thoughts and doubts that I had. So I felt really at home, you know, even though it was with the wrong crowd, if that makes sense. Not that the music industry is the wrong crowd, but I wasn't asking my questions in the right place, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, let me ask. Uh, so as you're kind of going through this season of, of growing doubts, uh, Stephanie, what were you aware of? Chris what were you sharing with Stephanie? like was this kind of a total secret or were there certain things that you guys were talking about during the season of growing doubts for Chris?
1: There was very little conversation about it. I of course hindsight's 2020, right? I, I could see looking back I can see little little clues of things not uh, being what they seemed. Uh, we I think I remember one conversation. One conversation that we had about him expressing some doubts and, and, you know, I, obviously that, that scared me a little bit. Um, but then I knew that he was, he was reading some books like, you know, the case for Christ and all these other, some theological books. I thought, oh, he's fine. He's figuring it out on his own. He didn't bring it back up. So he's good. And I, I think I felt comfortable living in that assumption of, okay, he's all right. I don't need to press. Um. And I'll just can I ask you what some
0: of those clues might be that you say in hindsight mm. you were able to detect you know later on, because I think that would be helpful. maybe for audience, if you're like, "Hey, these are maybe some things that can indicate if there's a fracture in the relationship or if there's something not being shared. Can you share any of that?
1: I think one of the most obvious things for me was, uh, like he didn't want to pray out loud. You know, we were in a small group setting or we, you know, we did lead worship together. And I think we were asked to lead for our small group and he just kind of avoided it. Um, and just, we just weren't doing well. Our communication was not great. Again, I think I chalked it up to we're busy. I was finishing graduate degree. We just, we both worked. It was just a hard season, you know, think, a busy season. And
2: I think yeah. that God, specifically you have... You have a gift of discernment. But I think everyone is given a spirit of discernment. And I, I think, I don't know that there's a, a real specific pinpoint you could make. But I think a greater point would be like if you feel like mm-hmm. something, something's off. We, I think you just, you, I was hiding and you willfully ignored it and, and chose to believe that everything was okay. So more like, hey, something's off. We should talk about this, you know, and, and bring it up. Yeah.
1: And we just were at a place in our relationship where our communication was not great as far as dealing with conflict and things. So I just kind of wanted to push through and, hmm. and hope yeah. that things would get better.
0: So it sounds like in different ways, both of you were kind of traveling down some roads of deception Would that be fair to say that, you know, like Chris, in your sense, you're saying, hey, I'm really starting to grab onto some of these doubts and these things that are really, you know, maybe crumbling my faith. Stephanie, you're saying this isn't fitting my mold. This isn't the way I thought, you know, life should be right now. And so you're kind of being deceived in ignoring maybe some of the realities that are going on. Let me make it clear, because I can already hear some of the wives especially screaming at me. That's not to place any blame on you for the decisions that Chris made. But I think sometimes when we look in our histories, we realize, oh, it's not 100% one side or the other in terms of where the brokenness mm-hmm. lies and where the, the troubles are. So, so, So what happened next? Tell us more about what happened as you were going through the season of doubt.
2: Yeah, well, I just wasn't known and marriage and community of faith like that's where else should you be known than in those places and the places where I was known, it wasn't true community. So, uh, my soul was just getting separated, I think, uh, further and further. And there was just a lot of, of deception going on for me because I couldn't engage my good questions in a healthy way. And, um, you know, the, the temptations that I found in the music industry, again, I found solace there because I could, I could use drugs or I could use parties or friends or or alcohol to, for maybe not forget, but like just not have to think about all the shame and all the, all the hiding that was going on. And that opened the door. Like I said earlier, it, it opened the door for the enemy to, to slide in this little this little lie, this little whisper, uh, that said, Hey, uh, you're probably not happy because you're married, you know, because mm-hmm. at this point I couldn't even identify that voice as the enemy because I, I didn't even believe in God anymore. I was leading worship still, but I was leading worship as just a performer, leading people to a God I didn't believe in. So, I mean, you can imagine the the violence that's happening in my heart and, the duplicity that, that just, it it rips you apart from the inside out. And so that lie took root and, uh, for years I kind of sat on it. And this is, this is a period. I mean, we were married for three and a half years. Um, and I sat Stephanie down one night in January of 2010 and I said, I don't believe in God anymore and I don't want to be married anymore. Um, Mm. Yeah, and that that kind of <laughs> we kicked it into a new gear at that point. Our story took took a, took a turn as I, I I went to a lawyer's office and I mean I remember crying as I do it. I didn't want to when I signed like the house papers. I remember being sad, but ultimately this this idol that I was chasing this this idol of freedom, this idol of self. Um what I wanted and what I knew would make me happy, ultimately, it was worth the, the pain and the sacrifice.
0: So, Chris, you, you shared kind of how all this stuff is internally going on in you, and it finally culminated in you, say, making this really difficult statement to your bride mm. that I don't believe in God, which is one thing that we probably need to address, and then I don't want to be married anymore. S- Stephanie how did this land? I mean, how, how much was this a complete shock to you and how much of what was it like? This seems like the trajectory that would make sense in terms of the direction that Chris is going. What was that day like for you when you got that news?
1: It was completely life-shattering for me. I -hmm. felt like the rug had been pulled out from under me and I was just falling uncontrollably. I... You know, like I said, I, there were little hints of things going on, but I never, never in a million years would have thought that divorce would be a part of my story, a part of our story.
2: But it becomes easier and easier and easier the the less connected you are to your spouse. You know, it's, it sounds so radical and she had deceived herself that everything was okay and so it felt like a ton of bricks. But to me, it was a difficult decision. I didn't want to do it, but it felt like a necessity because she didn't know me. My my community didn't know me. And I, I wanted to be kind of free of that. It wasn't functioning properly because I wasn't being authentic and transparent. So those those decisions, those deceptions become easier and easier the longer you're kept in isolation.
0: So let's talk about that that word you brought up a couple times freedom because uh the the many faces of freedom right and and how sometimes Mm. freedom gets presented to us and then what freedom actually is can you take us through and maybe we need to hear a little bit more of the story to really kind of tease out the idea of what you were thinking at that time freedom was Mm. and maybe what you have come to discover freedom to actually mean yeah. And maybe both of you could speak into that a little bit as you continue the story.
2: Yeah. Uh, man, what a great question. Um, so I, I, I divorced Steph. You know, papers were finalized and everything, um, everything sort of fell into place the way that I thought it should for me to be happy. And I got to chase after, you know, all. It was a, a true prodigal son uh, moment for me in that I'm chasing all of these vain pleasures, um, the things of the world that, that are supposed to make me happy. Uh, and and I say this pretty frequently. It, it's not as if there wasn't some sort of relief. You know, I, I, coming clean, even if you're coming clean to something that you've been deceived of, you know, even if you're coming clean to a lie, it feels good because the duplicity is gone. You know, The now people know who I am. And so there was this weight that was lifted. But I wasn't coming clean and saying, all right, I want to try to make this right. I was coming clean and saying, no, I'm leaving and, and I'm going my own way. And I'm kind of rebelling against what I was called to. So um, I ended up in a not very good place pretty quickly. I tend to do things uh, pretty quickly pretty fast, hard and fast. Um, and I ended up in a really dark place quickly because this lie, this deception that I had bet everything on and this idol that I'd set up to save me, um, was not meant to do that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the ha- the house of cards fell really, really quickly. And I was kind of crushed beneath that weight. And, and I heard a Patriot say at one time, it's kind of silly, Uh, Actually, it was maybe in a comedy movie. Anyway, freedom freedom isn't free. Uh, And Mm -hmm. sitting beneath the weight of all of the consequences of the decisions that I'd made, now I'm alone. I don't have anybody. I don't have any community. I don't have, you know, I was just completely devastated. Uh, Because everything that I'd bet my life on now was exposed. And that sort of pulled the veil from my eyes to see what I'd done, who I'd become, the things I'd been chasing, just kind of the, the vanity of it all. Um, and somehow through it all, even though I'd sworn God off, I don't believe in God anymore. I'm kind of this agnostic. I'm not sure. Even though I'd said all of that, like in that moment, to something happened. Some kind of Exchange between you know me and God, the divine, the mystery. Uh, It happened, and and to experience that, and to know that at the bottom of my own pit that I dug, I'm loved. I'm 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 completely accepted. You know, Um, it's transformational, Mm -hmm. and I (laughs) to answer your question, um, I think that is where the, the freedom, this idol of freedom, the false idea of freedom, that's where it was exposed. And I began the journey to seeing what, what real freedom was. I could talk for a long time, but it had to do with behaviors. It had to do with idols. It had to do with questions and doubts and how to even handle those. But to know the freedom that God can see me as I am, all my doubts, all my questions, all my flaws and faults, and him still be willing to to chase after me um, i think I think that's that's beginning to see what freedom really is you know?
0: yeah so uh so stephanie as as Chris is kind of going on his you know false freedom journey um, how you know one of the thing one of the questions that pops into my mind is what did your faith looked like at that moment what were the struggles that maybe you were facing because i think if there's anything that could start to to dismantle sort of your fairy tale image of what your life should have looked like and all that this would be one of those moments where a lot of those questions for you could come up so what was this season like for you in your faith and in your own journey
1: oh man for me it was i had my own journey i needed to go on just like chris because as much and like you even mentioned, I you know, was was it my choice to end our marriage? No, was it my fault <laughs> that it ended? No, but I I contributed. There were things going on in my heart that I had been so blinded to I couldn't even see it. Um, so when everything happened, I I couldn't even process what was happening because I was so, I found so much security in living in this life that I had so carefully planned and I was really black and white, really logical. So I thought if I do the right things, like this is going to work out. (laughs) You know, I, I played the good Christian girl role very well. Uh, I think I thrived in that, in that world. And so when this happened that I couldn't control when no matter what I did, no matter what I said to him, I couldn't make him stay. I couldn't make him believe in this God that we had served and just experienced his love for so many years. That that was crushing. I mean that was that was life altering to me because I had been so self sufficient for so long and found so much security in being able to control it. And so it was a long process of of first just wrestling with the Lord of God, like how could you let this happen? I did hmm. X, Y, Z, right? This wasn't my choice. Um, really, it would tell it a lot in, in terms of the prodigal son. And it's like with Chris running off, everybody could see. But I so related to the other brother, you know, this other brother in the yeah. story who, who felt those things. What? How did he deserve to come back? How could he be given the riches, you know, of the father? Um, but really what it was was a season of God revealing a lot of, sin that just wasn't as obvious you know it was pride and self-righteousness and just a lot of junk that's easier to hide (laughs) that needed Mm -hmm. to be dealt with so um for me thankfully the struggles never led me away from you know my my faith or my belief in the lord um but it it reshaped it in a way that was so necessary for me in my walk, um, in finding where my identity lie. You know, I I found so much identity before in being a wife and being I was a teacher at the time and being that good that image of this good girl, um, instead of being rooted in being a daughter of the king and so just a lot of things I needed to learn. I needed to learn what it was like to rely fully on Him for everything because I had been so self-sufficient for so long. So it was something I obviously would never want to go through again, but something that I wouldn't trade for anything, for what I mm-hmm. learned about God through it.
0: So let's, let's talk now about, I mean, what on earth did restoration look like? Cause obviously you guys are sitting here together in front of us today right. <laughs> and the story has a different culmination here. I mean, it didn't keep going in that direction of separation yeah. and uh, isolation. So tell us what happened next.
2: Yeah. So, uh, even with my questions, my doubts, God, God found me through my heart, not through my head. You know, we're a, we're a whole person, head and heart. And, uh, I had neglected that heart piece for a long time and God sort of revealed that to me when the veil was pulled and, um, I started pouring out to him and he would pour back in. I would, I I felt, I felt known, I think, you know, where I'd been hiding for so long. Um, now I felt known because I could be myself and it was okay for me to be that before God. And, um, you know, old friends kinda of started hearing that things were happening and calling and texting and coming around and I'm opening the Bible and it's just this fresh season of life where things are new and, and 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 different and God is showing up in my life in a way that He hasn't before. And then I started to hear this this whisper, much different than the whisper that I had heard before telling me to not be married. Um, and I ignored it at first. Um, but it was so persistent. I, I, this went on for weeks and, and months, and so I, I eventually, um, I eventually let Stephanie know what that message was—that uh, uh, God had had told me to pursue her again. <laughs> I'm not sure she was quite ready to hear that yet.
1: No, I didn't. I didn't get the same message at the same time. See, <laughs> did well, I was
0: going to say that's a very different. Uh um proclamation than what he had made to you before and i can imagine yep. that that would have been hard so so talk us through that yeah chris god's obviously stirring something in your heart to re-engage a pursuit of stephanie um yeah talk us through how that was initially received and then what eventually happened
1: yeah uh, <laughs> so this was several months after the the divorce. I was actually going through a divorce care class at a local church, and he reached out. He actually reached out to my parents first. That's a whole other story. Uh, met with them first, and then asked my mom if she thought I would be open to meeting. So we did, and we spent a couple hours just swapping stories of what God had done that year in our lives, and he was a different man he was just a different man that day than i'd ever seen um very transparent he was very vulnerable just opening up about everything even the things i didn't know over the past few years in our marriage and by the end of the conversation he shared that god had told him that we should be together again yeah <laughs> and uh you know one conversation <laughs> that's all it takes right Oh no but i i had forgiven him. I, you know, it'd been a a long process of working through a lot of things that year, but, uh, trust takes time. It takes Mm -hmm. time to rebuild and, and to, you know, if he, it was something he wanted, then he could show me that through that time, taking the time and repeated actions to earn it back. So we, um, we took several months doing some counseling separately, uh, involving our community and our pastors, which, We didn't do the first time around. You know, our premarital counseling was like a whole half day (laughs) in a group setting. So we just, we didn't know what we didn't know. And I think there was a lot we didn't know. And we struggled a lot on our own without asking for help. And a lot of that, again, it's just tied to that pride that I didn't think we needed help. And so... We knew that that was not the case anymore. <laughs> so we all uh, spent a season praying and seeking the Lord and came together in agreement. That if we wanted to do this again, we should go for it. So we started dating like completely over, <laughs> went on a first date, second first date, and then we're remarried within a few months.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, because some of the things that I th- I think w- our listeners would want to know, and I think anybody wants to know when they see a story of Restoration, a story of reconciliation that certainly just seems impossible. One is there's sometimes a skeptical eye towards that. Like, is it real? You know, or is it, is this another kind of platforming, you know, presentation? But the other thing, too, is I think a lot of people want to know okay, what is different about how you engage one another? Another way to put it is how do you guard the treasure? of what you have been given in this redemption in this redemption like what looks different Chris about how you deal with temptation or doubts or struggles Uh, what does it look like for you to have accountability and self-control in your life you know Stephanie what does it look like for you when any fears come up or maybe some old hurts come up how do you guys handle those things now can you share a little bit about what the rebuilding and and new life looked like after you got back together
2: Yeah. Uh, You asked a long time ago about freedom and it just seems to keep coming up. So I'll keep hammering that nail. Um, I think learning what true freedom is uh, in this this time around is is that it's just the opposite of hiding. Um, In that before I felt shame and, and guilt around a weird thought or a question or a doubt or, or any of those things um, and now I, i'm able to to share that um, to share that openly honestly i mean you can share more but yeah just being able to truly be myself like that is i i think that is one of the best definitions of freedom at least within a marriage is to 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 be fully known and fully loved like a gospel kind of, of love and grace.
1: Yeah. And I think that both of us were completely different people going into it the second time, you know, my, my story, my journey looks different than Chris's looks. We, but it was so necessary for both of us. So coming back together, we weren't the same people, you know, God had done a work in our hearts that affected everything in our lives. So when we came back together, it, it was brand new. It was brand new, and I know as Chris is plugging in our computer, <laughs> okay. so we don't lose yet. Um, for like he was saying about just that—that that freedom to be open and fully known. I think before, if he were to share something, it wasn't met well on my end. You no. know, I—I I did have there was some judgmental, you know, this judgmental spirit that I—I I wasn't necessarily the safest place to bring some of that too and vice versa. I felt like, you know, emotionally for me, sometimes that wasn't received well on his end. And so, gosh, we're just, just completely different, completely different in so many ways.
0: So let's talk about the music. You guys make music. So, um, do. <laughs> how, has, how has that been part of your story all along? I mean, has it been part of your story all along? And What has that looked like kind of over your your journey of your life and marriage together?
2: Yeah, in some form or another, we've both always been involved in music. You know, Stephanie with choirs and marching band with me and doing theater as a kid, um, learning to play piano and guitar and doing that through high school. And I went to college for for music. Uh, I was in the music industry there. So um, it's always been a part of... my life specifically as a songwriter and Stephanie's life in, in other ways too. But, and even leading worship as a young married couple, you know, it was a part of our lives and we have a, a library of music that we could call back on through our whole lives um, together. But the music specifically that came out of our story happened uh, not by chance um, in that we were at a conference to uh, just a Christian worship conference, and there was a competition aspect. And Stephanie's mom, who's our biggest fan, said, "You guys should just try something." So we just tried something, and we kept making it further and further and further. And we look back and we listen, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, that was so terrible. We were not good at all." But we kept advancing in this competition, and we made it to the finals. And they said, "Look, when you go up there, don't tell your story. Don't say anything. Just..." Say the name of the song and go, and we were like, "Well, we're not doing that. We have this is this is too good." So we took like thirty seconds. We're literally trembling. We've never done anything like this before to be to be judged uh, or anything. But we tell our story and then we sing the song that has kind of to do with it. We hadn't written that song, um, but we performed. And afterwards, this girl came up to Stephanie, just sobbing, saying, "That is my story. You told my story." I'm in the middle of it. And we're like, wow, that's the first time we've ever told our story publicly. And someone resonated so deeply. There's something here. And as we kept taking steps further and further with music, it became clear that that music was the platform that God wanted us to use to tell the story. So we write music from our story. We write music that's obviously because of who we are. It it informs everything that we do. So even the songs that aren't specifically about our story are, are informed by that. And we just... We like to say that we make redemption music uh, in all its forms, mm-hmm. uh, music, that, music that expresses the, the difficulty, the, the, the hopelessness, the loss, the pain, but also that points to a God who makes things beautiful, even if we don't get the ending that we want, you know, but God always uses everything for the good of those who love him and we'll will make it beautiful.
0: Well, I just have to say, um, I actually shared with our entire staff today before we recorded this uh, this podcast, your song, Take This. Um, I feel like, you know, Stephanie, I think that probably resonates powerfully with so many women mm-hmm. who are experiencing betrayal or hurt or broken trust. The idea of, you know, what does it look like to have that? pain lifted what does it look like to actually have that pain removed and I feel like that song just so beautifully um shares that can you share a little bit about maybe when that song was written and and
1: yeah we we wrote that song so that was a part of our our last full length album that came out a couple years ago and I I think even long before that I knew I wanted to write this song and you know we we write all of our songs together typically just the two of us And we, even before that, we just get contacted pretty often by women who are going through something. And so I just wanted, we wanted this song that kind of gave voice to that season, to the hard, to the hardest season.
2: And to so many of these men and mostly women.
0: Yeah.
2: For us to, it's like we hate to see them languishing in that season, but also knowing that sometimes you... Sometimes there's just languishing. Sometimes there is grief. There is loss. There is desperation. Uh, but for us to find a way to speak back into the people that walked through something similar. Yeah. Or, or even didn't walk through something right. similar. That's the beauty of music is that it's interpreted different ways. And people who don't even have a story similar to ours have, have enjoyed that song mm-hmm. and resonated with it.
1: Yeah, because the, the whole idea of the song is, I mean, it, it very obviously spells out kind of the moment that Chris left. And, uh, but, but the idea, the overarching idea is the chorus is just saying, God, like I'm begging you to take this cause I can't, I can't feel you. I don't know what to do with this. I need you to take this from me. But then by the end of the journey of the song is it's the realization that he can't take it until we let it go. And, yeah. I, and for me, I was just clinging so hard to Chris, to this what I thought would happen for that to happen. And God can't, he wants to carry that burden. He wants to carry us through and you have to just let it go and trust him for him to be able to do that. Would
2: you say that that realization helped bring you some
0: freedom?
1: I would say it (laughs) did. Nice call back there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of our our counselors, uh, he likes to say, God won't take from you what you won't lay down. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, yeah. we're, we're clinging to these things. Take it, take it, and God, God is not an abuser. Yeah. you know He's, So I, I love that picture that you've you've put even into that song. So thank you for sharing your story today. Thank you for being willing to be open about it. Sometimes it's easy to say, hey, look at what God's done for us and kind of go enjoy it in a corner. Um, right. But thank you for being willing to to share your story with others. Um, tell our listeners how they can get more information about your music and, and just even more information from you guys.
2: Yeah. So all of our socials everywhere online, anywhere you're online, if, if we're there, then it's, uh, you can find us out of the dust music. So Instagram out of the dust music, Facebook out of the dust music, and you can go to out of the dust music.com, uh, and find our story and resources and all kinds of things you can share with, with someone, you know, or with your yourself
1: yeah and we consider a big part of what we do um to be the relational part so we love we are the ones that answer all the messages that come in all the contact us from our website and we
2: are not counselors but it is (laughs) so near and dear to us to be able to interact with people and and help you know lend an ear or uh, a word of encouragement and prayer
0: yeah we'll be sure to put your uh your website in the show notes and uh chris and stephanie thanks again for being with us today Yeah. Yeah, Thanks for having us. Yeah. Listeners, we're always glad that you're with us, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.